It is the story of Pentecost, the story of the coming of the Holy Spirit, the historical account of what happened as uh, the Apostle Luke gives it to us. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phygeria and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya beyond belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, said they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the leaven, lifted up his voice and addressed the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words, for these people are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. Amen. Let's pray again. Lord, I do pray that you'd pour out your Holy Spirit in this place this evening. We pray, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come and make our hearts soft and, and tender and, and open to your truth. Come and raise up in us an, an appetite, Lord, for your Holy Spirit and for your presence. Remove all fear from us in the strong name of Jesus. And be our teacher and be Lord in this place tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We've been thinking together and looking over these past weeks on Sunday evenings at revivals that happened in biblical times. We've been studying those and uh, getting a little bit sort of into those and seeing what those moves of God looked like and what brought them about and what were the things that God did whenever he moved in biblical times by his Holy Spirit. But tonight we're looking at what you might call the number one revival of all time. The number one revival that's found in the scriptures, the number one revival of history, the number one revival of, of, of all the ages of the church, the revival par excellence, the move of God par excellence, the one that's greater than the 1859 revival here in Ulster. If you don't know what that was back in the day, in the year 1859, and 
Continuing on into the year 1860, there was a, a mighty move of God. Uh, about 200,000 people were swept into the kingdom of God all over this island, north and south. It was known as the Ulster Revival because m much of it happened here in the province of Ulster. It grew out of a couple of people gathering to pray in a wee schoolhouse. Uh, and there followed just a mighty, mighty move of God's Holy Spirit. But, you know, it pades into uh, small stuff when you consider this revival that happens here on the day of Pentecost. Greater than the Welsh revival. If you ever travel through Wales, it's one of the saddest things nowadays. You'll see all of these little chapels. Some of them are houses. Some of them are restaurants. Some of them are, are pubs. Some of them are, are, are still in use as, as, as chapels, but there's very few people going to them. If you're into choirs, you'll be familiar with the Welsh choirs. And all of that was born in a, in a time of revival, when the Spirit of God was poured out in a, in a mighty, mighty way. And again, many, many people became followers of, of Jesus Christ, so much so that these chapels had to be built for the, for the new converts, for them to worship in. And one of the things that happened was that the converts wanted, particularly men wanted to sing. Imagine that, men wanting to sing. They formed, back in the day, these male voice choirs, and they, they, they began to sing. And the, that's uh, known as the Welsh Revival, but not a lot of evidence of it around today. Some, but not, not a lot. Then there was the days of the Wesleys. Uh, John and Charles, they're two of my spiritual heroes, both of them. John was the preacher. Charles was the hymn writer. They were men that had been, they'd grown up in the church. Their, their, their father actually was a, was a rector of a parish. Uh, their mother was a very, very godly woman. The story goes that she used to cover her head with her apron in order to get a few minutes quietness to pray uh, and to get a, a quiet space that she could pray for herself and for her family. And they were both wonderfully converted, these two brothers, and they traveled the length and the breadth of these islands preaching, and, and, and they took the gospel out from the churches to the rural communities and to the, the shipyards and to the coal mines and to where the workers were. And they preached the word of God, and, and men and women were converted in their thousands, quite literally. And then these men and women who came to Christ, they were discipled uh, in, in what was called groups, and there was a particular method used. So they became nicknamed as Methodists. If you've ever heard of Methodists. And it was only after the death of John and Charles Wesley that the denomination of Methodism was, was formed. And, and today there's Methodist churches all over the world. It was born in a revival, a revival that happened under John and Charles Wesley. We've looked at other revivals that happened in Old Testament times under Nehemiah under Elijah, under Samuel, under the judges, really moves of God's Spirit. We've looked at what happened under the ministry of John the, Gap, the Baptist, but these all, are, while they're incredibly wonderful outpourings of God's Holy Spirit, Pentecost holds the number one place by a mile ahead of every other move of God. First of all, no other move of God was so sudden. We read, that these disciples, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were together in one place. And suddenly there came this move of God, this 
presence of God spread. A sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house. It was sudden. Now, they were waiting for it. They didn't know what they were waiting for, but they were waiting for something. They'd been told to wait until the Holy Spirit would come. We, on our side of the story, know the story, so we know what they were waiting for, but they didn't know what they were waiting for, but they were waiting, and when it happened, it was sudden. I'd love to have been there. I've, I've only ever once been in a, in a room that shook when people prayed. An incredible experience. The room literally, the building literally shook. And it was an incredible experience. It was an incredible impact. Not the building shaking, but just what God was doing in my own life and in the lives of, of others. Some of us have never been the same since that particular encounter in that particular room. It was sudden. It was powerful. It was immediate in its results because before the day ends, didn't have to go to theological college for four and a bit years. He didn't have to read the uh, whatever it was people have to read today. He didn't have to do any of that. Peter gets up and he preaches. And 3,000 people are converted before the day finishes. Before the day finishes. And then they move out into the city of Jerusalem and they begin to preach, they begin to share Christ, they begin to tell the story of Jesus, they begin to witness one-on-one, -on -one. they begin to heal the sick, they begin to cast out demons, they begin to raise the dead, and tens and hundreds and thousands are converted in that city of Jerusalem. It was a powerful move of God, and that's before they're persecuted and scattered and have to go other places, and the gospel spreads all over the the Roman world. And then it was lasting. Lasting. Because there is a sense that every other move of God's Spirit has flowed from that move of God's Spirit. And is part of that move and is the same move of God's Spirit. There is a sense that Pentecost is something that's ongoing. It was an event. But the move of God's Spirit continues down to the very day in which we live. 120 followers of Jesus were filled with the Holy Spirit in that one meeting at the one time. Don't know how the prayer ministry did it. Don't know how they handled it. I think God just did it, actually. The presence of God fell. 120 of them baptized, filled, soaked, empowered, overcome. But you would use whatever language you like. It doesn't really matter. Filled with the Holy Spirit, 120 of them. Their lives were impacted forever. We know that the 11 apostles and the women and others who were there, they would spend the rest of their lives telling the story of Jesus. They would spend the rest of their lives preaching Christ. They would spend the rest of their lives healing the sick. They would spend the rest of their lives going into the most fearful and scary of places to bring the gospel. And there would be a move of God that would follow them wherever they would go. Their own lives so impacted that fear of people didn't stop them. Fear of the devil himself didn't stop them. They were so, so impacted. And they were given gifts, new gifts of speech, tongues, and prophecy, and insights and words of knowledge. They were 
they were given these insights that they were supernaturally able to see and able to do away beyond their own natural abilities. And God was at work not only in them, but at work through them to bring his revelation and to bring truth and to bring transformation to the lives of many. And the good news was immediately preached and continued to be preached with zeal and with authority and with power and with passion and with signs following. Uh, First of all in Jerusalem, and then as the, uh, the heat got hotter, as it were, and the Roman authorities became more fearful that these Christians would become such a, a force to be reckoned with that, that they were fearful of, of, of them gaining more and more influence. So they decided to put a stop to them and to persecute them and to imprison them and to, to, to do whatever they could to hinder them. And so they were scattered. They were literally scattered all over the Roman Empire. And the result of that was not that they sort of stayed indoors and chess or watched these standards behind closed doors or sang quietly. But actually, the impact of that was that actually the gospel spread and it spread all over the Roman Empire because they were bold and they were fearless and they had been filled with the Spirit in such a way that they couldn't stop themselves. They just were anointed to proclaim Christ. And Christ was proclaimed, 3,000 planted that first day, for quite a good start for a new church plant in a day. You know, there's different church planting movements. Uh, I haven't seen many of them do that recently, but that was the way the Holy Spirit did it when he did it. Conversions following daily, tens, hundreds, thousands, continuing to fall. Christ as the Holy Spirit is poured out and as the work of God continues. First of all, Jerusalem, then throughout the Roman world, the whole known world, as repentance is preached, and people are invited to put their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord. There were other things that followed as well, not insignificant things, like the New Testament being written, for example. That followed the day of Pentecost. Let me just read this comment on one Bible commentator. He says this, Revival made the apostles. It created the church. It caused its expansion. It inspired the epistles. It spread Christianity throughout the whole known earth. The influence of it has reached to our own time. The church has had a fluctuating history. It has seen many ups and downs, but the power of Pentecost has never been completely lost. A power was sent into the world at that time which has never left it. All the good in the history of the church is due to the presence of the Holy Spirit. To tell the story full is to give the whole history of Christian enterprise, the revival that issued the translation and circulation of the Bible, the Reformation, the Evangelical Revival, the Revival of Missions, the 1859 Revival, the Welsh Revival, are all phases of this one great Pentecostal blessing. Pentecost contained all these in German, as Pentecost is studied and understood, it tends to repeat itself. Incredible. It's good news. It's good news, folks. The Holy Spirit, he has come. By the way, he's he, not it. And he's here. And he's present. 
And he's the same Holy Spirit. He's the same Holy Spirit that was poured out on the day of Pentecost. A few little thoughts as we move forward tonight. First of all, what happened that day was first and foremost a fulfillment of God's word. It was a fulfillment of what had been prophesied, what had been foretold, what had been spoken of by the prophets down through the ages. For example, Joel in Joel 2, and it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams and your young men shall see visions. Even on the male and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit and I will show wonders in the heavens and on the earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes and it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. For in Mount Zion and in Jerusalem there shall be those who escape as the Lord has said and among the survivors shall be those whom the Lord calls. Joel told it and it happened as he said it. Ezekiel, he foretold in Ezekiel 36, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Moving into the New Testament, John the Baptist had said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but the one who comes after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you or soak you or fill you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Foretold by the Old Testament prophets, spoken of by John the Baptist and actually foretold by Jesus himself. Jesus himself spoke very clearly that the Holy Spirit would come. Jesus himself foretold very clearly the day that would be the day of Pentecost. Luke 24, Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then just before his ascension in Acts 1, he said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. It's all spoken of. All spoken of earlier in the Word of God. You see, one of the things that links the Word of God and the Spirit of God is the day of Pentecost. And the day of Pentecost is another assurance to us that we can trust and depend upon every written Word of God in the Scriptures. That we should obey the Word of God as we're given them in the Scriptures. That we should live under the authority of the Word of God and the commandments that God gives us in His Word and the lifestyles to which God calls us in His Word. The Word of God that foretold Pentecost, the coming of the Holy Spirit, can be trusted in the year 2019, just as he could be trusted to come as promised on the day of Pentecost, just as the Word of God and the promises of God could be held on to by those 120 in that upper room, by the 11 apostles, by Matthias, by all the others. They could trust and did trust in the Word of God and in the promises of God. 
so can we. So can you. So can I. Secondly, the Holy Spirit gives the power to continue and to finish well. The Holy Spirit is what we might call the spirit of continuance. He continues the work of God and will continue the work of God until Jesus returns. Thank you, O my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving us your Spirit until when the work on earth is done. He's the Holy Spirit of continuance. He continues the works that Jesus begun. He continues the work of God in us for all of our days. And he will continue the work of God here on earth until Christ returns. Something very significant happened on the day of Pentecost that transformed these 120 and transformed the 11 in such a way that these guys finished the course. They ran the course and they finished the course. But different to Old Testament times when, for example, you had, we're told, about 30,000 people left Egypt, led out of Egypt by Moses. 30,000 of them. 30,000 of them that thought they were on their way to the promised land. How many of them enter? Two. Two. Caleb and Joshua. Because the rest were down and up and up and down. And they were cold and hot. And they were knocked about by every thing that kind of upset them or came against them. Stopping and starting, rebelling and not finishing. That's the history of the children of Israel right throughout the Old Testament. God would raise up a king and they would do not so bad for a while and then they would have another king come along and they would follow him and they would follow his guidance and they would fall away from following Yahweh and they'd end up in, in exile for another 150 or 350 or whatever number of years it happened to be. It was up and down, hot and cold, in and out. But after Pentecost, we read this, day by day, day by day, listen to that again, day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. Driven out of Jerusalem because of persecution at the hands of both the Pharisees and the Romans, these followers of Jesus Christ, these Holy Spirit-baptized followers of Jesus Christ, continue. They keep on keeping on. They continue the Christian life in the power and out of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Friends, we're born of the Holy Spirit. If you're a born-again Christian, you've been born of the Holy Spirit. But we're also kept by the Holy Spirit. Uh, so often folks will say, you know, yes, David, I, I would like to become a Christian, but no, not for me. I couldn't keep up that sort of lifestyle. My answer is always similar sort of answer. Neither can I. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. He keeps us. We, of course, cooperate with him. 
but he keeps us until that day. We're born of the Spirit. We're kept by his Spirit because he's the Spirit of continuance. These, I think of Peter. Peter, my hero, he, you know, he denies Jesus in that courtyard where there's a wee girl that kind of scares him a wee bit and he denies Jesus when he's asked a few awkward questions. But later, after Pentecost, Peter will be in prison. Prison won't shut him up. It's reckoned that he will have been persecuted in all sorts of ways and none of it shut him up because the spirit of continuance, the Holy Spirit, indwells him to strengthen him and to empower him. Thirdly, people are changed forever by the work of the Holy Spirit. People are transformed forever by the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit changes the people who become followers of Jesus. People are saved and then they're changed. Verse 40 of Acts 2, with many other words, he, Peter, bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. We live in a world that would suggest to us that we really should adapt to the culture. Now, I'm all for being salt and light in the culture. We need to choose our battles. There are some things that are harmless in terms of culture that historically Christians kind of got really fussed about. But there are other things that our culture would say to us that we need to sort of cozy up towards. And actually... We need to stand out as different. We need to be those who transform our culture. We need to be those who value life. We need to be those who stand against the devaluing of human life. We need to be those who can display what it means to be a people who can forgive those around us. We need to be committed to reconciliation. We need to be those who can speak into sectarianism and see it dealt with in our society and in our province. We need to be able to stand against the changing tide of culture around us when it comes to same-sex marriage or abortion or euthanasia. We need to be those who actually are those who are transformed by the Holy Spirit, who become holy who become Christ-like, who take on the teaching of God's Word and live out that teaching and who are so filled with the presence of God that we radiate and show forth the goodness and transforming power of the gospel. People are healed by the power of Jesus Christ today. People are set free from addictions today. Lives are transformed by the power of the gospel today. 
We need to be those who actually allow the gospel to transform us and allow the Holy Spirit to have access into every bit of our lives, our thought patterns, our bodies, our emotions, our sexuality, our attitude to money and to wealth and to work, our our attitude to people around us, our attitude to those like us and those that are not like us. The Holy Spirit wasn't poured out to leave the world in a mess and to allow us to sort of soak up the mess and become part of the mess. The Holy Spirit was poured out so that we would transform the mess, the mess in us and the mess around us. That he would come and he would clean up the mess that is your heart and my heart and your life and my life, that he would deal with your stuff, let him into it. Here's the thing, it's got to run away from him because it will cleanse the presence of the Holy Spirit. The presence of God will bring cleansing and forgiveness and wholeness and blessing. It bothers me a lot that we seem to live in a world today and in a culture today here in Northern Ireland that actually wants to deny the power of the gospel to transform lives. Transform lives. I'll say it again. Transform lives. It's not just about us being made comfortable in our mess, but actually the Lord Jesus wants to come. He died for our mess. He paid the price for our mess on the cross. He took our mess upon him when he hung on that cross. He rose again from the grave and he overcame that mess, even the stench of death itself. And then he sent the Holy Spirit so that we would be transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ and that we might become agents of transformation in the world. That's the calling of his church today. Someone said, the Holy Spirit is not a reward for good behavior, but he is given to those who repent, to those who believe the good news, and they are transformed. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, all who are far off. There isn't a category of person that cannot be healed and blessed and saved and made whole by the gospel of Jesus. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. So as Paul said to the church at Ephesus, I want to conclude by saying, To all of us this evening, be filled with the Spirit. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Amen. Amen.
Pentecost, the fulfillment of Scripture's promises. Pentecost, a mighty work of God that continues and is the spirit of continuance in us so that we might finish well for Christ. Pentecost, who brings about transformation, transformation, change in the lives of believers and in communities around them. Please stand. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Can we just be still in God's presence apart from the sound of children which is always great and fine. But the rest of us, let's be really still and quiet and wait upon the Lord. Be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a simple command that Paul gave to the church at Ephesus that we receive tonight and we own and we say to one another, be filled with the Holy Spirit. 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 Come, Holy Spirit. Come down upon your people and upon your church here in this place. As promised in the scriptures of old, be poured out, be poured out upon your church. Again we pray. Poured out upon your people. Again, we pray. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. God Almighty, where we need transformation and change, where we need cleansing and stuff to be just flushed out of our lives, where we need washing and infilling where we need to be filled with the power of God to live differently. Come, Holy Spirit, and baptize your people with power. Jesus, baptize your people. Baptize your church with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, baptize this congregation, every man and woman tonight, with your Holy Spirit. As we give ourselves fresh to you, we say, come Holy Spirit. As we repent of all of our sin and self-living, we say, come Holy Spirit. As we give to you every aspect of our lives, families, our work, our time, our 
money, our relationships, our ambitions, our fears. We say, come Holy Spirit. So we ask to be filled with the power of God and with the strength of God to live for God. We pray, come Holy Spirit. We would want to worship you and love you and know you more and more. Know you, Lord. Know you, Jesus. Love you, Jesus. Follow you, Jesus. Be embraced by you, Father God, and know your Father's tender love and care, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's just wait for a moment. Maybe we'd open our hands as just a physical expression of our desire to be filled in a fresh way with, with God. The Holy Spirit is God giving God to us. Parting God to us more and more hands open and with eyes closed. In the presence of God, we pray, come Holy Spirit. Maybe you'd want to pray that out loud too. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Fill us. Fill us. Fill us, baptize us, soak us. forward for prayer, they'll simply for a very brief moment lay hands on your head and pray that the Holy Spirit would fill you and soak you and baptize you. Just as we worship, feel free to come so that there's not a bottleneck later maybe. Or I would encourage you to, on this Pentecost Sunday, to simply come with one request that you'd be baptized and filled afresh tonight with the Holy Spirit. <laughs> 